0: I'm Stacy. I'm Jenny. And this is Learning for Life, a homeschool podcast. We are two homeschoolers who use different methods, curriculum, and strategies to make it all work. Our goal is to help parents teach kids how to develop a lifelong love of learning. Hi,
1: everybody. Welcome to our summer book club. This has been a long time in the making, and we're really excited to be here. We are going to be talking about The Prefaces and Part 1 of Home Education by Charlotte Mason, which I am so excited for. If you know anything about me, I just love Charlotte Mason. Never read these books. I'm so excited to dive into them. So let's introduce everyone else that's on this live stream and this podcast. So there's me. I'm Jenny. Hello. We also have my lovely co-host and channel mate, Stacey. Stacey, say hi. Hello, hello. (laughs) And then we also are thrilled to have another special guest on here. This is Christine. Christine is actually we're all married into the same family, believe it or not. So, I never know whether to call Christine a friend or a cousin, but she's like the best of both worlds. So, hi Christine. <laughs> hey. So yeah, we're super excited to be here, and we want to remind you that as we're discussing this book, you can always chime in live in the comments, and we are going to be reading those comments live, and we can even respond if we are able to. Again, we are not super experts, but we just are so excited to discuss this book with all of you. So I think we should start from the very beginning, and I think we should each talk about maybe our background with... Charlotte Mason and this home education series. Um, Let's see, uh,
0: Stacey, do you wanna start? Sure, all right. Um, Based on the current audience here, both of you um, are very familiar with Charlotte Mason. I am not a Charlotte Mason person, although Jenny is convinced I will be one one day. Um, so I don't read, I have not never read a Charlotte Mason book. I've only learned about Charlotte Mason through watching Jenny's videos because I do that too. Um, and that's about it. So I, this is my first time I got the modern English version of the book. I didn't get the big kid version. I got the kiddie version, um, which was very helpful (laughs) to uh, read through. So yeah, we're going to do this all together and I'm excited to learn more as we chat.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, I I think you'll be the voice of the people that don't necessarily identify as Charlotte Mason homeschoolers, but do still have thoughts on her methods and like what they can take away from it. So I think that's great. Okay, Christine, go ahead and tell us your background with the Charlotte Mason method and the home education series.
2: Awesome. So I am a second generation homeschooler, and I was the kid that swore I would never homeschool my own kids. But here I am, and I love it. Um, I use the Charlotte Mason method with my own kiddos and I'm like really a product of Charlotte Mason. So this is kind of a cool, like full circle moment. So this is the first year that I've ever read her volumes, but I was homeschooled using the Charlotte Mason method. So it's been so cool to walk through these books and just see like, there are things that I think or believe. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, like that's because of Charlotte Mason. I had no idea. So I'm really excited to be going through this. Um, and excited to just learn alongside y'all.
1: Perfect. Yeah, and this is why we wanted Christine on this show because she has a special, I guess, um, kind of perspective about Charlotte Mason. And she and I talk about Charlotte Mason all the time. That's basically <laughs> always talking
0: about.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah okay. um, so really quick, just a little about me. I am one half of Kids Learning for Life. I'm kind of the Charlotte Mason, Shakespeare, handicrafts you know, side of things. And I love the Charlotte Mason method, but I myself have never read these books. I don't, none of us have read these books before. And so I'm just excited to kind of hear it from the horse's mouth. Like, what is this method all about? Who exactly is Charlotte Mason? What does she actually think? That's kind of my main, you know, reason for wanting to do this. So I'm super excited. Um, I've tried reading this first book before, didn't get through it. So I'm excited for this because I am being held accountable. I think we can all attest to that. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, and then we have a question on the screen. Which homeschool method do you follow? We're super curious if it's just gonna be like Charlotte Mason people here or all across the board. Because I really believe that these books, even though they're written by Charlotte Mason, it's not just for Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. So I think a lot of people could benefit from what she has to offer. All right, now that we have gone over us, that's the boring part. It gets much better. From there. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to see, um, Christine has done a lot of research about who Charlotte Mason was and kind of the background of these texts, texts, and why she wrote these books, like what she wrote them in response to. So Christine, would you be able to tell us a little bit about the background of what's going on and why Charlotte Mason wrote these volumes and who she was?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, Like you said, I'm definitely not an expert, but I read a lot. So that's what I'm going to go with. So I'm just going to share with y'all kind of what I already know. So Charlotte Mason um, was a woman who lived in England and she was born in 1842. And then she passed away in the 1920s. She never was married and she never had kids, which I mean, that doesn't really matter, I guess, as far as reading these. But I think it's just helpful to know the context Um, the context of what was happening in the world at the time, and we'll dig into this a little more as we go through part one, (laughs) because if you've read it, you're like, what in the world are we talking about here in this first section? Um, I think it's so important to understand the context because otherwise things maybe seem out of place. So at this time, you know, like kids, if they did get an education, they were going to boarding schools or grammar schools, and it was usually only boys, um. This time in history, you know, we didn't know what viruses were. We didn't have like penicillin yet. So it was a very different time. Um, And then I think something else that's really important to keep in mind, especially in this section, and I don't want to dig into it too much yet, but the infant mortality rate was super high at this time. So it was just a different place, even though at least for me, I think of like, you know, the turn of the century, like, oh, that's not that long ago. But it really, it really was in terms of how much our world has changed since. Um, So I just wanted to kind of go over that. And then I think um, I'll share just briefly about kind of Charlotte Mason's method, which I really love calling it a philosophy, even more than a method, because I really do think it's kind of philosophy right like no matter what school method you use you can use these philosophies so charlotte mason is different than classical it's different than montessori i think sometimes people get them confused because there are elements that are similar but they're different so um i wouldn't say like one's better than the other they're just different so as we work through these this first volume i think it'll become more and more apparent you know like for example in charlotte mason narration is like the thing that everything is hinged on. Um, whereas with classical, like there's a very specific system and with Montessori, it's, it's even more different. So if you are not familiar with Charlotte Mason or, or even if you think you are, my encouragement to you would be to just come to this with an open mind because I'm even learning things about her. Um, that I didn't know. And I think it's easy to make a lot of assumptions, especially now with the internet, because we like to put labels on things. So there's things that we think are Charlotte Mason and and they're really not. so i'm I'm excited to walk through this um and just dig a little bit more into just who she was and this awesome book
1: yeah that was great and i think it's really good to have a good context as to what is even going on because like i said i've started this book before and i love charlotte mason right like i use ample sign online i'm a diehard charlotte mason person but i was still like what is going on and granted i think this first part is probably the hardest part of the entire book if i'm gonna i don't know i'll that's my guess that's my hypothesis. So. I would
2: agree. I would agree. Okay. And it is called like, it's called like preliminary, like she's giving you a context for what she's going to talk about. So right. I think so. Like, I would it agree gets, with
1: that. Yeah, it gets like very spe- weirdly specific about some things. So yeah, <laughs> it's easy to get kind of like, okay, I don't get this. So um, I just think it's good to have a context as to like what she was even responding to and you know, what the, world the context was like then, really
0: helped me, especially like, again, not knowing anything about Charlotte Mason. I read the first paragraph and I was already like on the phone texting Jenny. I'm like, when was this written? Like, what is she talking about? Cause it's actually funny. There were some times where I was reading it and I was like, she could be speaking about modern day, like about mm-hmm, some of yeah. the things she was saying. So I was like, when did she write this? And Christine, did you say that? I forget.
2: This volume was 1886. Okay. So this was her first and it was 1886 after she'd already been teaching For some time.
1: Cool. So I think we should just start diving into some of the content of this first part. And so this is not just the first part, but this is the first two prefaces. And I think that's funny. That kind of makes me laugh internally, because Charlotte Mason, if you've read her, you know, she's kind of wordy. So it's definitely (laughs) in character that there are two prefaces. But I think that... I think that maybe the most valuable part of what we're even going to talk about today is the first preface. And this is the 18 principles. And Christine, correct me if I'm wrong, but does she always highlight her principles at the beginning of each of her volumes? Yes.
2: So okay. I've read, I don't even think I mentioned that. So I just read Philosophy of Education, which is volume six, like in its entirety. And I'm working on volume three. And they it's like, maybe not exactly the same, but she has those 18 principles at the beginning of every volume.
1: Okay, yeah, because I remember I remember starting this book and it starts with these 18 principles and I'm like, wow, mind blown, like fireworks going off in my mind. <laughs> and then you get into like the actual first part of the book and you're like, okay, wait, what is right? This?
2: <laughs> Where are we so, going?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think that's like one thing to keep in mind if you haven't yet read this section of the book, you're gonna be like, every line of the first preface is gonna be like, wow, wow, wow. And then, And then it might slow down a little bit, but that's normal because that's what she does at the beginning of her volumes. So just something to keep in mind. I really love these 18 principles. I mean, I'm gonna open my book right now and just kind of like point to a couple of them because I just, I remember just being blown away. So like children are born persons, which is the first one. I think this is one thing that if you're gonna understand anything at all about Charlotte Mason, that's like probably the key thing is children are born, born persons. So what does this mean? This means that children are not a blank slate because that was a common, I mean, even now that's kind of a common theory, but um, back then, I think it was even more common. Uh, So for her to say children are born persons, they have wants, they have needs, they are going to become who they're going to become. You're just kind of there to facilitate. You're not there to imprint everything that you want them to know or take away from life. They're not gonna do that, like kids are their own people. And I think that's a really important concept and that's something that I resonate with a lot. And I see that a lot in my kids and also the way I was raised. So that's a really important principle. Did either of you have anything to add to that one point? I know it's only one sentence in, so we don't have to dwell. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, all of these, oh, and I love, point six in here is probably one of my favorites. And this is education is an atmosphere. And I think um, I, I've had conversations individually with each of you guys, Stacy and Christine, about how when you choose to homeschool, you're choosing to create an atmosphere of learning in your home. This isn't just homeschooling for an hour or two a day. It's like creating an atmosphere of learning. You're learning all the time. So I just I love that. And that's something I feel like that sounds almost like a modern hippie thing to say these days. But like it really is. Education is an atmosphere. So I think that's an important thing to know about the Charlotte Mason method as well. It's not just school time. It's a life of learning, which is key.
2: Yeah. And I loved um, to add on to the children are born persons. I think it's really cool that you see, um, you see this in philosophy of education for sure. And I think we'll get into this more within home education, like Children have the ability to learn all kinds of things from the time they're little. So not only do they have like they're their own person, but they actually are people. <laughs> like They have the ability to absorb things and understand things and and work through things. And I think that's so cool because that's what's counterculture at the time. And I think that's still counterculture, right? Like a lot of people maybe don't have that mindset in education. And I think it really does shift things. I love it.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, Stacey, do you wanna take a look at the comments? It looks like we're getting some really good feedback because (laughs) I'm like, wow, people are commenting here. This is great that we have some engagement. That's really fun.
0: Yeah, no, totally. We love everybody that is in the comment section. We wanna hear from you. Um, I was actually just gonna ask a question to you guys. What is your favorite point out of all the 18 different points that you found that resonated most with you? Um, but we do have just from, um, Aaron and Jamie, it was clear that, uh, she is in Charlotte Mason stayed on top of the latest research. So there's a lot, as you go through, you'll notice that she's citing different sources and really took a lot of her life and dove into everything behind the, um, physiology and the brain and the body and everything. As we go through more of these points, we'll see more of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for that, Jamie. That's our friend Jamie at Humble Heart Press, by the way. So check them out (laughs) for all your homeschool printing needs. Um, Okay. So are there any other points in this first preface that you guys want to go over while we're here? Because, I mean, each one we could honestly talk about for a whole episode if we wanted to. But are there any that really stood out to you guys here, Uh, Stacey or Christine? Those are the two that I love.
0: What? Yeah. A number eight education is a life and it's it kind of stems from the education is an atmosphere, mm-hmm. but just making sure that you are like, it's not just a strict setting. It's going to be mm-hmm. an entire like way of life that you look at education as.
1: Yeah. And I like in, in point eight, or yeah, it says the mind feeds on ideas and you'll see this a lot in Charlotte Mason's writings. She talks a lot about education, kind of like a feast or a meal, she, um, and I love that because I think that's genius because it's so true. Like, your mind needs good stuff to eat. You're not going to feed your mind, you're not going to want to feed your body junk food. So, why would you feed your mind junk food? And I think a lot of what we're sifting through here is what is the junk food and what is like the good protein, veggies, everything. So, that's something I mean, these are just little tiny points, but yeah, it's they're all so profound. Yeah children are born persons is my favorite. Yeah, that's, that's another comment we just got on the live stream. And that's, I love that one. I think it just encapsulates so much, just that one sentence, it's really, mm-hmm. really cool. Okay, anything else you guys wanted to add about preface number one? <laughs>
2: I no. love it. And for, for real, if you love this preface, you need to read Philosophy of Education, book, like volume six, because it like takes each of them and just digs into it. So if you're loving that, just read that book next.
1: I need to do that. Do you suggest, is it okay to go
2: out of order, do you think? I would say, so I've not read all of her volumes in their entirety, but I heard, I think it was probably a Cindy Rollins podcast, <laughs> which if you know Charlotte Mason, you probably know who Cindy Rollins is. But she recommended reading philosophy of education if your kids are a little older or if you're like totally new to the Charlotte Mason concept. Um, And I I loved reading it. I think you could use. So I actually have it right here. You could read this philosophy of education. They actually all this is from Living Book Express. You know, your buddies, they look really cute together. But I would read it in tandem. So I actually I read this and then I came and used this as a reference. So that question, did you read both at the same time? I would use this as like a reference. So like you can come to this section, like there's a whole section on children are born persons. So like you can read the section in here. I think that's pretty cool. Um, On that note, I forgot to mention earlier, and I don't know if you all knew this or not, but this book, Home Education, is geared towards kids under the age of nine. So the principles and the concepts are going to be the same, you know, throughout all of her volumes. But if you're like reading this and you have, so like I have a nine and 11 year old, Some of the things in here are not really like applicable, like the tangible things. So just as a throwing it out there, if you want something for older kids, it's school education, I believe, volume three.
1: Right. So I was actually that's the only note I actually had for the second preface is um, (laughs) that this book is for ages like, you know, birth to nine. Yeah. So that's something important to keep in mind when reading this book. And that's something that I may have missed the first time I tried reading it. Well, because it doesn't say it
2: super clearly. I think there's a little blurb, but if you're just reading it and again, it's wordy, I think it'd be easy to miss it and then be like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah, so
1: is there anything that either of you guys wanted to talk about about the second preface? I don't really find it as compelling as the first preface personally. But, um, and the main thing I took away from it again was the ages, the age range that this book this volume one of home education was designed for. So is there anything else you guys wanted to go over in that one? No. No. Okay. Yeah. It was more just kind of like some dry information about the background of her writing it and stuff like that. So um, there is, there are the prefaces. So let's move on to part one. And I'm kind of going to flip through my copy here and just go to the beginning of part one so this is kind of when the book starts rocking and rolling but in its slow and steady type of way so the first thing that we wanted to kind of highlight here is the concept of and this is on the first page of part one is children are children are a public trust or children yeah children as a, are a public trust so christine do you want to talk a little about about what you took away from that part of the book yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I love this. And again, I feel like this is something that's not just for like homeschool families. Like I wish that more people would read this book, even if they're not going to homeschool their kids. I mean, obviously like we all homeschool and I think it's amazing because it's true even if <laughs> if your kids go to a different type of school. Um, but I just loved reading this and the concept of like, when you see your kids as a public trust, you're playing the long game, right? It's not just like, how do I cram information into their heads? How do I make sure that you pass these tests? It's like, how do I make sure that they're going to like contribute to the world? How do I make sure that like their cult, like their character is going to be formed long-term? And that's really cool. Like that's what, I know that's not necessarily like what she was saying, but that's what I took from it is like, man, like She played the long game and I want to be a person that does that, because sometimes it's easy to just look at what's happening every day and forget like, no, like my kid is, Lord willing, going to grow up and be an adult that goes into society. And that's really important.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I fully agree with that. This is something that I'm super passionate about is I feel like life skills are way more important than anything academic. You know, we all like to say, oh, my kid can count by tens to one million. But like, is that really going to be the thing that serves them when they're, you know, 30 and have a family and are trying to buy a house? You know what I mean? So I love that. And I think also maybe a part of children are a public trust is that your kids aren't really your own. They kind of belong to the world. So and that's kind of scary as a parent to think like you're going to. Your your kids don't belong to you. They're not like they're free when they're born, kind of, you know, you're just there to guide them. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind is that we're not here to coddle our children or and I think homeschoolers get a bad rap for being like, you know, overprotective over their kids or whatever. But I think um, I think it's important to remember that our kids are their own. It's, it goes back to children are born persons. Stacy, do you have any thoughts from your modern translation. I don't know if it has, I don't know if it goes into as much detail about all of these.
0: Um, no, what it, what lines. it really is. It actually even gives me the page numbers. Um, so like on here I have like, it'll tell me uh, whatever the title is and then it will say, here's page one. And then halfway down my page one, it says, Oh, page two. And it just gives me like a summary of what that entire page said. So I found that really interesting. Um, but no, everything you guys just said was exactly what was kind of in my little summary here. <laughs> okay, perfect.
1: So we're on it. We could have written that. I know, right?
2: Next project. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: I, I wouldn't dream of tackling a project like no. that. No. But before we go on, we do have one quick question about which volumes are better for children nine and up going back to that kind of conversation we were having real quick.
2: Um, so volume three, Okay. School education is for kids nine to 12. And then Jenny, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's, what is it called? Ourselves is the next one. That's for like high school age. That's all. I think you're four. right. I,
1: I think you're right. Cause ourselves is actually, okay. So the Ambleside online curriculum is an online Charlotte Mason curriculum. And there's a whole book list and a whole reading schedule. I believe ourselves is on the reading list, like on the reading schedule for like year nine or something like that. Yeah. So that would I make sense. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I hope that answers their question. I know it's kind of confusing with the order of the books. Um, It's not super, and also the titles of the books. It doesn't make it super Mm -hmm. straightforward, but I think we love an old book that makes us think a little bit, (laughs) makes us work for it a little. Okay, so one thing we wanted to talk about in this book is the concept of child worship, which is fascinating. And it feels, I mean, Stacey, I think this goes to your point about how you were like, parts of this feel so modern and I feel like this is definitely
0: one of those sections where I was like oh it's like she was sitting here in today's world but I I think she would think that now we're worse but (laughs) yeah I agree I would would agree
1: I mean back then she thought it was bad like she's rolling over in her grave right now because I think everything is so like child-centric or like we're coddling children or babying them or not letting them learn things and I feel like there's, I mean, this isn't something I personally struggle with. Maybe I do. I don't know, but I'm fine with like letting my kids go, like, go do that. But I know that it's hard to do that. So I don't know what, what thoughts do you guys have on the whole child worship aspect of things here? Christine, do you have oh, thoughts? I was waiting that? for Stacy.
2: She looked like very contemplative. I was like, it's going to happen. Something good's <laughs> happening. Um, So I really love this. So this starts on like page seven, at least this is the part that I had underlined when she was referring this to the story in French home life about like the people who were late because they had to lay there until their kid fell asleep, which I think she was kind of mocking it as ridiculous at that point. But I don't think that's that far from reality for a lot of people now. Um, And I just think it's like, I just thought it was almost prophetic. I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, because she even pointed out, like, that's the direction things were heading. And I do think that that's I mean, everyone can raise their kids however they want. So I don't want to make anybody feel like they're like less than because they choose to take naps with their kids until they like sneak out of the house. But I think it is different when it's like child centered. And again, understanding this in the like the context of the time. So like they're coming off of like children should be seen and not heard. So it was almost like there was this overcorrection happening at this time in history where, like, I mean, women couldn't even vote still, like, when this was being written. Like, this was a way different time. So I think she was just seeing a shift happen and was like, whoa, like, let's not, you know, let's not go all the way that way. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and one of the
0: intersections is where they're talking about how children were taught to endure dis- discomfort. And how there was like a little boy in a wet and freezing rain and somebody said, oh, would you like to watch this? Like there was some parade or something. Would you like to watch it in our shed? And he's like, no, this will make me stronger. (laughs) And I'm like, that is so like, that is what I would love instill in my own children. Um, But it's not something that you necessarily see today. A lot of people would be like, oh, the children need to be warm in the shed, like, you know, putting them first almost if you're out in like a parade and you still see that the children are comfortable, even though the parents are like, you know, having the kids on their shoulders and they're like dying, but their kid's asleep. So they're holding its head or what, you know, we see all of these things at those parades and it's super cute. But at the same time, it's like they are made to be comfortable rather than having any discomfort. It, discomfort.
1: Yeah. And it's also it's not even just that we're trying to um, it, it almost feels like these days we're not even just trying. Trying to keep our kids comfortable but it's almost demonized if you do the opposite like oh don't leave your kid out there i don't know i just remember i have this memory of when i was a kid i really wanted to carry my dad's backpack we were at some (laughs) fair you know so we're walking around all day and i'm i was really small for my age really really small and so i was like walking around i probably looked like a three-year-old carrying a backpack and and i remember someone coming up to my dad and being like why is she carrying your backpack but it was like it was making me stronger and I wanted to carry it. I wanted to do that. I wanted to have that experience, like be more like a grown up, you know. Um, and it's just kind of interesting the way we see children these days. It's 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 very different. And it's so back to what you were saying, Christine, about like an overcorrection type thing. So back then it, there was this overcorrection, you know, seen and not heard. And then now, well, actually, I don't know exactly the chron- chronology of this, but I feel like you know now we're back to that place where it's like or. Now we've overcorrected the opposite way. And I don't know, do you guys think that it'll ever, do you think that like this world that Charlotte Mason is, is envisioning and think, as, is describing as like the best way to educate kids, do you think that that will ever become the norm? I'm curious what you guys think about that.
2: Hmm. I don't know, I, I,
1: <laughs> I feel a change in the air. I feel like it may be, but maybe it's just because I surround myself with people like this now. So it feels that way to me, but I don't know about the greater collective consciousness if like, this is something that would resonate with people like to not coddle children, you know, children are born persons, Mm -hmm. all sorts of things. I don't know. That would be interesting to, I don't know. I wish we could do a big. I mean, she
0: wrote this in what, 18 something we just said. 1886. And I mean, I don't think it ever fully went this way in from that time, I feel like it's gotten worse. I don't know if that is just, you know, no one is being introduced to this type of philosophy as much anymore. I mean, it is, you know, homeschooling has kind of hit a little bit of a rise lately. So if that, you know, has people looking into homeschooling and looking into other philosophies rather than just your government education, um, I think there's hope, but, um, we're still, I feel like a long way off from getting anywhere near what Charlotte yeah. Mason had imagined.
2: Did you have something, Jenny? Or- no, go, go ahead. Oh, Christy. So um, as, I feel like I'm the person that's like the context. I just keep saying this. <laughs> like no, this is great. We I'll it. be that lady,
1: okay? We need the context.
2: So the philosophy that she created um, really was mainstream for a long time in Europe. Um, so like the PNEU, right, like the schools, that actually was how kids were educated for quite a while, really until, um, like the early 1910s, I want to say, I'm not totally clear on that, but it actually was something that was really adopted. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And then I also, I'm going to read a quote from this, um, this book. So I have always been familiar with the book, um, For the children's sake which is kind of like an awesome companion to charlotte mason but there's this book called when children love to learn and it's like a compilation of a bunch of different people a lot of them were trained by charlotte mason herself or worked in the schools in england which i think is really cool because when we think of or at least when i think of even having a charlotte mason education myself when i think of charlotte mason i think of like nice white lady in the southern part of america (laughs) like like that's just what i think of like i'm like i don't know she probably has a bunch of kids and you know that's what it is um but really like charlotte mason wasn't even just for homeschoolers like she taught other children with this method like she didn't even have her own kids so i think like charlotte mason really the reason it's around today is because homeschoolers have championed her method because she's brilliant um but if not for that like i don't think we would even know about it but anyways this quote says Miss Mason's educational philosophy is not about what someone thought as a Victorian. It is not tied to the past as if trying to hark back to a golden age. That is why it's inappropriate to illustrate materials about Charlotte Mason with exclusively Victorian pictures. These ideas, being true ones, have an unchangeable underlying pattern and yet give freedom for individual life and practice. So, I really loved that because I think sometimes, like, when we read these books, it's so easy to be like, oh my goodness. And you just pine after, you know, this era that doesn't exist anymore. But I honestly think, like, what Charlotte Mason believed in her philosophies is probably even easier to implement now than then. Because, I mean, now we have the internet, now we have libraries, now, you know, like, you can use something like Ambleside Online and literally give your kid a Charlotte Mason education. You're like, I remember as a kid, with my mom I mean that was before the internet when I was first being homeschooled I remember we didn't even get a computer until I was I think I was probably in second or third grade so when we needed curriculum like we would drive hours and this was even in California where it's super populated to get curriculum or to meet the random lady who had you know Charlotte Mason education you know from years before and it was so much work so I feel like I mean, our culture is kind of obviously in a different place, but at the same time, I'm really optimistic because I think it's so much more accessible than it's ever been. And that's really exciting to me.
1: I was just going to say, because, um, you know, I talk about it all the time, hand in hand with Charlotte Mason in general, but Ambleside Online is a curriculum created by a group of women in the 90s. I think it like debuted in the year 2000. I mean, so it was like at the birth of the internet type thing. And that's why it was able to be created. And I, I listen to a lot of what the Ambleside Online creators talk about. You know, I listen to their podcasts. I see their posts. I get like a weekly email from Ambleside Online. It's interesting hearing from them because I've heard them, a few of them say that there is a huge rise in Charlotte Mason homeschooling right now. And that's probably due to the internet. So yeah. as much as we all like to hate on the internet, which definitely I do, I know we all do. Um, I think it has made it like you were saying, Christine way easier to homeschool that the way that you want, you have so much Mm -hmm. more access to things. I mean, even Ambleside online, there's tons of free domain books on there that are old and really hard to find in print, but you can get them. You can just see them on your laptop, you know, or your phone, Mm -hmm. uh, for free. So, um, I do think that there is a rise in this kind of thing. I think that there's something that our souls like as a generation are aching for. And I feel like, I mean, whether that's just homeschooling or it goes deeper into like some more of a classical type education, reading old books, connecting with the past, connecting with our past, you know, our ancestors, all this stuff. I think there's something to that that I think resonates with a lot of young people right now, or at least Mm -hmm. people in our generation that are now homeschooling our kids or even just, you know, raising children. So anyway, that's just a little sidebar that I thought was kind of interesting. And yeah, it was very, very cool. Okay. So next we have, um, let's see. Okay. So after this part <laughs> of part one, we kind of drop off into what we like to call the weeds because, and this is where I stopped reading before. So don't be, don't be self-conscious if you are here and you just couldn't get past all this other stuff about air and rest and exercise and types of food to eat and what it does to your blood okay like it's a very interesting section and actually I enjoyed it a lot more this time now that I understood a little bit of the context so I think Christine you already talked a little bit about this about like science you know she was she was kind of it was a special time in history (laughs) and um so could you talk a little bit about that I know you already talked about it but could you harp on that a little bit more
2: yeah so When I came to this section, because this is like a lot of Charlotte Mason's volumes this year, you know, I've like jumped around in. And this is not a section I've marinated in because I'm like, what is happening over here? So um, just this week when I was rereading this, I came to this and I'm like, okay, like I had a really, really smart. Mentor tell me once, like when you are reading anything, like this is especially applicable to the Bible, but really anything. And you get to it and you're like, what in the world are they talking about? Like, take a time out and figure out what the context is, because more than likely it has something to do with that. So don't get discouraged or be like, this is a bunch of garbage, like understand the context. So um, at this time, like I mentioned, you know, the infant mortality rate was one in three babies died at this time in, in England in particular. And one in four children didn't make it to their fifth birthday. So like we didn't have all of the science we have now, and I love that you even see in here at least I saw this like she's talking about things she's observed, right so she's observed in all this research she doesn't have like the scientific you know tests to back up what she's saying, but we now know that what she's saying is accurate, and we have the science to back it up, which is really cool um but I mean, you gotta think about like. I think it would almost not have made sense for her to cover all of this, because if your kid didn't live, you didn't have a kid to educate. Anyway, I know that sounds really morbid, but these were really basic things like the air um, was really polluted. Oh, yeah, I see that on here. Their air was terrible. Like the air in England in particular was awfully polluted. Like you can actually there's documentaries about this. If you're a nerd like that, like I am, Um, like the air was awful, like from like, animal feces and just the sewers and like the industrial revolution had an impact on that. So their air was really bad. So these things seem kind of out of context, but I think when you read it from that perspective of like, wow, like the average woman would have had one, if not multiple children die at at birth or not make it to the time they were five. So these things were like really important. So it makes sense to start a book about raising little kids with, here's how you can help them live because it was a big problem back then. And obviously some of it now I would say is kind of outdated, right? Like we don't necessarily need to read the section. I think it was like beef broth. I mean, like there's people that still drink that, but like we're in a way different time, but I think it just helps because otherwise you're like, what is she talking about?
1: I like this one part um, in particular talk at meals. (laughs) As the mother of girls, <laughs> the talk just never stops, especially with my kids. So I just really liked this part. Um, <laughs> it says, people are apt to forget how far mental and moral conditions affect the processes of digestion. I just thought that was interesting. Um
2: I yeah. liked that. And again, in the context of like, kids weren't allowed to talk at the table. Like right. that culturally wasn't appropriate. She's like, Hey, let's, let's yeah,
1: do it. It's okay. Well, she's saying like, this is a teaching yeah, a teaching moment. You know, you can teach them manners at the table. This is like excitement and joy is important. Um, and I don't know, actually, you know, it's co- so interesting that I brought this up because we were just talking about how she always equates education to meals like a feast Mm -hmm. so I don't know kind of interesting because it's like you I mean this still goes back to like an atmosphere of education education like it's a life you know because Mm -hmm. you're teaching your kids all the time it's not like sit down and shut up it's like hey let's talk about things uh this is what you should do what this is what you shouldn't do at the table blah 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 so man I I know I just really like that part because my kids just don't stop talking anyway so I couldn't Maybe that's why Charlotte Mason works for me because I know they're born person. <laughs> they're definitely their own people. Um Anything else in here that you guys like, were there any specific points that anyone wanted to bring up? I, I like that she brings up um perspiration, which I know it's easy for us to laugh about right now, but it's like, you know, these things were real, real considerations and um maybe a little concerning, but um I kind of actually... It kind of makes sense to me though to be able to like perspire. Because back then also clothes were a little more restrictive, probably in general. So I just thought it was funny to see the word perspiration in here.
2: Mm-hmm. And then daily I found section.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
0: No. Um, I found the section about where she's talking about like caregivers. And um, like children deserve the best of their mothers. And I mean, I felt like she was kind of putting people down that gave that had caregivers for their children, um, that mothers should be doing that and not send. So, I mean, if you think about it, Christine, you'll have to correct me if I'm like the schools weren't exactly like they were today anymore. So now, like I feel like if Charlotte Mason heard about all these people sending their children off to school (laughs) for eight plus hours a day. And having this, you know, those people, because she even talks about like, you know, a harsh, rude caregiver causes permanent damage to sensitive children. I mean, you know, we all hear horror stories of somebody's kindergarten teacher or whatever, you know, like there are great ones. That's not, you know, I know there's like great, great teachers out there that are loving and caring. But then at the same time, it's like there's, it can do a lot of damage if they're not caring like a good caregiver.
2: Yeah, I thought that part was interesting. So... I think the thing that's just fascinating to me, so this again, the context of this, and she did talk about, I think it was this section, or maybe it was another one of her volumes I've read, but people that had money would still have a nurse when their kids were little, and many people had a governess, so like someone in there teaching, especially their girls, because a lot of girls couldn't go to school, um, But like these, the older kids, like some people homeschool, but a lot of the older children, she was educating other people's kids. So I don't think she was like shaming that as a, I don't think she was, at least I didn't perceive that. Like she wasn't shaming, like, how dare you send your kids somewhere? Because a lot of kids needed to go somewhere when they were older. Um, But it was like just the overall concept of like the people that influence your children have a really profound impact on them and they need their moms, you know, they need, I mean, that's the section started out talking about that. Cause women were able to start to have the ability to work in these different things. And it was not uncommon back then. I mean, if you read any Victorian literature, you've probably seen like there's a governess and a nurse and the mom is like with the kid, like an hour a day. <laughs> <Maybe>. So <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So I think this is interesting. And then also to remember, this is like for kids under nine. So like, she was a, for sure a believer that kids needed to be with their moms and with their families, which I, I just think is interesting. Oh, I think there's some comments. Sorry, I'm trying. I'm not good at multitasking. <laughs> you guys,
1: <laughs> someone else can do that. You're doing great. <laughs> we need your laser focus here. Okay, so this, uh, comment says, this comment says, it was very specific to the first six years of life, I believe, which yeah. we now know are incredibly impressionable years. Yeah, that's a really good mm-hmm. comment, Jamie. Because, yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I, yeah. I think from birth, everything that we do is so important for our kids. So um, it's just interesting. It's just interesting to see what she has to say about that period of time in a kid's life. Cause it's kind of, even for now, let's just say I see a lot of curriculum or or people wanting to homeschool their children starting from like the age of two. And it's like, no, these are important years and that's not necessarily the best way to spend that time <laughs> so um and that's something we'll get into I'm sure later on in this book is when to actually start
2: formal lessons yeah. which is
1: really important yeah thing.
2: can I yeah. add one other thing I just thought of when you were Go talking right ahead. so yeah. another thing that I think is so cool and I feel like I'm maybe the champion for this because I've kind of experienced a little bit of everything so like I was homeschool my entire life like graduated from high school when I was 15 went to college at 15 with my roller backpack because apparently I just didn't know any better.
1: Hey, those oh are Anyways, those are we functional. can talk about
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I, my kids have had a little bit of everything. So I've p- homeschooled them through a charter. They've gone to public school for 18 months. And then I've ho- been homeschooling them exclusively for the past two years, like completely independently. And, you know, even when they were In public school for a short time, even when I was using a charter like you can still implement a lot of these philosophies and no, it might not look exactly like it. But I think that sometimes it's easy when we're so passionate about something like homeschooling to feel like, you know, not intentionally, but to shame people who maybe can't or that's just not where they're at. Maybe they're a single parent and that's not an option. But like I've reaped the ben I've watched my kids reap the benefits of having you know like I love I forget which principle it is, but when she's talking about how education's a discipline and those formation of habits so like no matter what your life looks like, I really think that these this philosophy applies so like don't be discouraged if you're like, well, I'm a stay-at-home dad and my wife is dead I mean, like I know that sounds really morbid, but like people have these things like I know people that. You know, like for whatever reason or their grandparents, you know, like they have people have all different life situations. So don't discount this just because you can't, you know, make it look exactly like it does because it's so good. It's so good.
1: I I love it. I, I fully I fully agree. I wanted to talk, uh, is there anything else with that section that we wanted to talk about? Because I wanted to start getting into the last, very last, very small section here where it's called the reign of law and education. So anything else that we wanted to go over uh, with the weeds?
2: <laughs> I'm ready to come out of the weeds. I'm okay with that. <sighs>
1: okay, let's talk about just really briefly, uh, the reign of law in education. And I thought this was kind of interesting and something that we don't always talk about a ton is that the Charlotte Mason method, well, Charlotte Mason herself was a Christian and she kind of, the the, Christianity is a big part of the Charlotte Mason method in general. And so she had, she also had, she has a lot to say. I mean, you'll, you'll, even in part one, we didn't really talk too much about it, but there is a lot of stuff, you know, God is referenced many times. And um, so I wanted to talk about this, this last section here. So what do we make of this last section? Because from what I'm seeing, it's kind of like talking about that there is a relationship between the laws of science and the divine law. What do you make of that? Christine, I want to hear your thoughts on this in particular.
2: Oh gosh, you know me. I read this and I was like can of worms. I know. I know. You <laughs> I can feel, feel like this. it's such a can of worms, but well, that's okay. We can open yeah. some worms. So, I think um again, here I am talking about the context. It gives you a little bit of an understanding because At this time, and honestly, now, like, there are people that I know like this, like, they have a thought process of like, well, if it doesn't explicitly say X, Y, and Z in the Bible, then it's like not true, or I don't need to learn about it. Um, So I think that that's kind of what I took from it was like, okay, there are things that are wise, there are laws of whatever you want to call it, the universe, that, like, are true, and they're worth learning about. But just because like the Bible doesn't spell out how, you know, gravity works, doesn't mean that it's not something that's true. Like that's kind of what I was taking from it. So I think that um, um, that's important. And then also too, just like the, it kind of for me tied back to the children are public trust section, which she began this whole section with, the whole part with, um, just because, you know, like the laws that our government or whatever have in place are also important. <laughs> So it's important to teach kids to be respectful of those things and aware of those things which again was something that you would have seen in this time where like there were people that were straight up like well I don't care if that's the law where I live like I'm not doing it. Like <laughs> so I think that um that's kind of what I took from it. Honestly, I feel like this section she was in in some more weeds for me, but that's I can, fine. I can, I can hang. <laughs> well
1: yeah we were just in the weeds for a whole part so yeah like, we'll we're coming out, years out years of it it's okay yeah it was like the last two pages and i don't know it just kind of like hit me like a freight train because i was like whoa this is kind of it different. was
2: a weird way to close the the section in my opinion i mean right not that yeah. i'm doubting what her wisdom was there but it was just <laughs> no I,
1: I i get it no it totally that totally makes sense And I think um, something uh, this is going to be kind of a teaser for our next episode, because part two is all about um, out of doors life for children. So it talks a lot more about nature. And I think it is important to understand that Charlotte Mason was like a huge lover of nature and she found nature to be like one of the best teachers for children. And so, um, it is important to not deny science, you know, it's important to welcome it into our lives, um, fully embrace it and experience it together. And, um, so I think that's almost, maybe that's another reason why she ended it like this, not only as a bookmark to the beginning of part one, but also, um, maybe kind of leading into, Hey, let's pay attention to science here. Cause maybe it's a really important subject for us to cover. What do you have anything
0: to add to that? Stacy? Not at the moment okay (laughs) this last page i i will be honest here i was like you know we were in the weeds and i was like kind of skimming through i'm like okay air okay ventilation got it and i kind of missed the last two pages so uh
2: i love your honesty
0: (laughs) i just checked out i don't know i was like yeah we got (laughs) ventilation i've got i've got ventilation in here we're good
1: (laughs) well at least you're honest we love your honesty and Again, you're kind of, I think this is something we haven't really talked too much about and we're going to wrap this up very soon, but, um, Christine and I are big readers, Christine, even more so than I am. Like if there's a spectrum here, Christine is the fastest, smartest, brightest reader. I'm somewhere kind of in the same universe. Um, and then Stacy like doesn't really read. And if she reads it's nonfiction, which actually that's why I was like, Hey, this'll work for us. Cause this is nonfiction. So, um, uh, that's just like to give people a perspective as to why Stacy's like, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. Because, like, she doesn't typically sit down and read, and it's a huge exercise, I feel like, if you're not used to doing that. So, I commend mm-hmm. you,
0: Stacy, because I. Let me I know in the work. comments if you're like me and this is really hard for you. So, let
1: me know. Yeah, I'm are you a, alone here? Are you a Christine or are you a Jen <laughs> or are you a Stacy? If there are <laughs> other
2: people like me, I need to know because we are going to be friends, okay?
1: I, I know, know. There are very do. few people. There are very few people that I know that read as much as Christine does. So
2: mm. I cannot,
0: I thought I read a lot. I can't keep up. So, anyway. Oh my God. Although, okay. if you do want to get to know Christine better, she has her own website and you can find her on YouTube at Christine Gustin. So be sure to check her out there. Um, And then you can always find us on right here on our YouTube channel. But if you want to know like more about the summer book club and all of the schedules, you can go to our website slash summer book club, 2020, sorry, 2022. We Um, don't talk about 2020. (laughs) (laughs) It's like ingrained in my head now. Um, But yeah, so you can find the schedule there. You'll find the playlist with all of this. So if you missed part of this live recording, um, you'll be able to rewatch it. And then you'll also be able to find this on um, our podcast. So we're going to upload the audio as well. So you can catch up with this uh, episode there.
1: Yeah. And we're going to be doing this every week. So we'll be making sure to update everyone on social media, <clears throat> excuse me. And on Instagram, we're kids learning for life on Facebook, we're kids learning for life. And if you want to email us, we are <laughs> kids learning for life at gmail.com. I hope you can remember all that. <laughs> oh, but we, We're pretty good about updating about the schedule on Instagram. I've, I've been all over the stories today. So, um, yeah, if you, if you ever have any questions or you want to add to the conversation, you can always email us or find us on social media. So I think
2: that's about If oh, you're sorry. like me and you don't use social media at all, <laughs> we're doing part two next. <laughs> so yes. there we're you doing- are.
1: We're doing part 2 which is like I said Out of Doors Life for Children. I think this chapter will be will be a lot more engaging for mm-hmm. me at least. I think Stacy, I think you will love this chapter. I'm like halfway through. There's just a just a teaser here. Um my favorite line from the book so far cuz I've read a little bit ahead. Um, my favorite line from the book so far is like in one of the first pages of this upcoming section. So I'm really excited to get to that. So anyway, I think that's it. Um, anyone else have anything else to add? I think we're all done here. This has been really, really fun. And I'm looking forward to doing more of these. All right.
0: Well, with that, we will see you guys all next Tuesday.
2: See ya. Bye.